podcast. I am your host and best friend, Aurora, and I wanted to introduce you to your new best friend, Heather. Hello, I'm Heather Rainbow. Which is really your last name. People always give you crap for that. Yes, I always get crap for that, but it is my real last name. It was my parents' last name. It was their parents' last name. I don't know where it came from, but it's just a fun fact. I think that's so funny because on TikTok, people are always like, it's appropriation for the LGBTQ community. And you're like, first of all. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, it's it's and my- people often tell me that I'm like lying about it. And I'm like, no, I like, I don't want to post my birth certificate online, but I'm not lying. You're like, but it's really just, you know, there are weirder names out there. You can focus on oh, something yeah, else. Yeah. To... I know. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell everyone about yourself. So I'm a college student. I go to school in San Diego. I'm a junior. I study chemistry and math. And I got into talking about MLMs kind of as a side interest. Obviously, I don't study anything related to like business or finance. This was just my own personal research. And I work at a restaurant right now as a barista. So I've got a lot going on. But one of my favorite things to talk about is definitely multi-level marketing slash pyramid scheme. Yes, which we are just going to talk all about. I've been wanting to do an episode on MLMs for like a year just because I think they are so fascinating as well as a lot of people are just so misinformed about MLMs and everything about them. And so um, I... Yeah, so I came across your TikTok, which is honestly how I've said this before. Almost all of my podcast guests start that way now where I'm like, I was going to TikTok awesome. and I came across TikTok this person. I decided. But I mean, it is. And also, like, I just am not nearly as interested in other social media platforms anymore. Um, TikTok has just kind of totally. taken that over for me. Um, but yeah, so I found you on TikTok and started following you immediately because you we're always talking about MLMs and like very anti-MLM, but you were always very educated. Like, I mean, I'm someone who has had bad experiences with MLMs and we'll get into that, but like it's it's interesting to hear those same perspectives from someone who has all the claims to actually back it up and be like, here are all the reasons why this is a scam and here are all the reasons why I believe this instead of me just being like, "Ah, I hate them. Like, obviously I know why, but you're just so much better at it. Yeah. So um, how did you, so yeah, so that's kind of what you're known for. When you joined TikTok, is that what you anticipated your account being dedicated to? Like, how did that happen? You know, it's really not what I had planned. I was one of those people that I actually downloaded TikTok like probably last out of my friends. I was like, oh, you know, TikTok, mm-hmm. haha. I-, I watch them on Twitter, you know. Right. But I eventually, you know, downloaded the app and I made some like funny, you know, random TikToks at first. And then when my interest kind of spiked in multiple marketing companies, that was kind of around the beginning of the pandemic. And I saw a lot of these companies just make a huge push in recruiting kind of right when everyone was starting to struggle financially. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had had been raised around these companies and this is kind of a common experience is people are left with kind of a bad taste in their Mm -hmm. mouth with MLMs. And that's kind of where it ends. Like, you know, they're kind of bad, but you don't really know specifically what's bad about them. And that kind of bad taste in my mouth that I've experienced, you know, all growing up combined with that rise in popularity at the beginning of the pandemic, I just, made my first anti-blood TikTok looking at the Monate Income Disclosure Statement. 
and it totally blew up. I was just shocked. And after that, I just kept making them because I was like, wow, people are actually interested in this and people are interested in the numbers um, and not just kind of making digs at the boss babes, although that can be fun. Um, it's it's also fascinating to look at the numbers and the facts and the statistics and the legislation behind these companies. So that's kind of a more well-rounded approach to being anti-MLM, in my opinion. Right, because like you said, it's so easy to make digs at boss babes. But I think at the end of the day, most of them are just so misinformed and that they don't realize what they're getting into. I mean, I know that I almost joined an MLM when I was in college because I was bored and all of my friends were... Um, all of my friends on Facebook decided to be It Works consultants, which is ugh, one oh, of the worst no. ones. Not that not I know, works. not that any of them are good, but like, oh, It Works, it makes me want to vomit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were all joining, they were all selling wraps on Facebook, and I was bored, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I could, I could do that. I could, I could you know, sell stuff. Um, and I ultimately decided not to just because I knew so many of my friends were, I was like, no one's going to buy my stuff. If like seven other, other friends Mm -hmm. are, are buying are like selling it. And I think that's an interesting perspective as well. Like in addition to all of the numbers and the legislation and stuff is that, um, I was listening to, you've probably listened to the dream podcast I assume mm-hmm. you would a long <laughs> yeah. time ago long so time ago. um I really liked their podcast it's all about MLMs for anyone who's listening um well their first season's all about MLMs um and they talk a lot about in one specific episode they mentioned that the market will become so saturated or has been or something um by mm-hmm. distributors that the amount of people who could buy from distributors is less than the amount of distributors that there are. And I don't know if they were saying that's how it presently was in whatever city they were talking about or if it was projected or whatever. But I thought that was really interesting because it's true that when there are so many, like when there are more people selling that product than people to buy it, like obviously that's a broken like method of selling products. Yeah, and you would think that would be kind of intuitive. Mm -hmm. Like the oversaturation is such a big problem with Mm -hmm. MLMs. But people don't always, you know, take a step back and look at the big picture and, and think about that kind of thing because a lot of us live in our own social bubbles and, you know, you see a couple friends selling it. You don't understand, like, this is so massively oversaturated. But one of my favorite anti-MLM resources has a quote. Um, it's called The Case for and Against Multilevel Marketing. I talk about it on TikTok literally constantly. And one of the things that they comment on about the oversaturation is MLMs assume both an infinite market and a virgin market, and neither of those things ever mm. exist. And I always think that's a really great point to make is that market that an MLM requires just simply does mm-hmm. not exist. Well, and I think it's, um. so my dad was always really into MLMs. He <laughs> joined far too many when I was growing up. And so I have a pretty personal experience with MLMs. And um, there was this one specific one that he actually convinced my mom that like was the best idea that he joined. Um, And it was for like some fuel treatment company, which is, yeah, like the most random, but it's like a man's MLM, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, and he would go, it was the cringiest thing. We would like go on road trips and when we would stop to gas up our car, he would approach other people asking them if they wanted to buy his fuel treatment. It, 
was so cringy. I would like hide in the car. Like, please. Oh my God. That's it so is, interesting. But, yeah, it was wow. horrifying. But um, so I always had this like really um close experience to them. And I remember when my dad joined that MLM, which I think he still is a part of. I don't know. Um, he like went and met with some of the like higher ups at that specific company. Um and got so excited because this guy like quote unquote never worked because he was one of the founders right or he was like in the first tier of the pyramid and Mm -hmm. so he Mm -hmm. was making a lot of money because that's how it works for the very top of the people um to just profit off of everybody else who's getting scammed and so he was like, if I'm in this longer, like that could be me. I could be never working, but I just have this passive income and yada, yada, like like they always tell you. But I mean, he definitely poured way more into that than he ever got out of it. And <laughs> and that's how it is for 99.9% yeah. of people or something like that. That's that's very interesting that you brought that up where he he thinks that he mm-hmm. could eventually get there. You know, that's a really common thing to think is you see these people above you making piles and piles of money, buying new cars, buying houses, whatever. And you think, oh, if I just stay mm-hmm. in this company, you know, they were in this company for like three years. I can stay in this company for three years and, and then I can be making that money. But in reality, that spot yes. is taken. There is no more. There are no mm-hmm. more of those spots. And you're, you're, you're out of luck at that point. You know, you already joined too late. There is no more, you, most of the time, there is no more waiting game to get to the top. The exactly. Top and I think that's something that so many people just don't grasp is that, yeah, once those top spots are taken, they're gone. You can't make that level of money. You can't become diamond or whatever um, <laughs> where, you're, where you're starting now because the structure of a pyramid the top tiers are taken and and now you're at the bottom making no money (laughs) and and that's just Mm -hmm. how it is it's a trap it's a trap and it's so sad to see people fall for it but you have to take a step back and think of the big picture you know those top spots those original people that joined they see how much money they're making they see their massive downline and they're never going to leave. They're never going to step out of the company unless they have some, you know, massive change of heart and see the unethical nature of the business, which has happened. But, you know, the the, the majority of regular humans will see that money they're making. They're never going to leave. And they know, they know that those top spots are gone. And that's what makes it so horrific to me is that the people at the top, I feel that they often kind of know what's going on and how this company is really mm-hmm. looking and they hide it and they ch- this is just you know my theory obviously i i can't um i don't want to speak to like the integrity of these people but i feel like sometimes the people at the top of the company know exactly what's going on and that's what makes it so kind of gross to me mm-hmm. no i totally agree they do well the way that i look at it is if you If you choose to have that business model, you know that the majority of your money or at least a large portion of your income as the founder of a direct sales company will be from your downline and not from the products sold. And that's, there's no way around seeing those numbers. There's no way for you to pretend that it's about the product because if it was about the product, 
you would just hire normal ass mm-hmm. employees. Like <laughs> it's not. And so I think it is impossible to, um, to, yeah, to be in that position where you're at the head of a company like that and not know how like icky mm-hmm. that is. I kind of see people who join MLMs as falling into a couple different categories. And one of the categories mm-hmm. is kind of, they know what's going on and they can see the bigger picture and they're, you know, willfully choosing not to, or, you know, choosing to deceive people, whatever it might be. And then there's kind of another category of people that really ju- did just get duped into joining. And that's really sad to see. I really see them as victims of the system, victims of whoever recruited them and, you know, the company as a whole. And that's just so heartbreaking to see because those are the people that will lose money. Yes, because most people who join MLMs don't actually make a profit off of it because there are like monthly minimums that you have to meet or you don't make a commission until you hit this number of sales or whatever. And so there are so many like, there's so much fine print. And and so you don't, and again, you because the market's so saturated, you can't sell enough to to meet those demands to make a livable income if you aren't joining on the ground mm-hmm. level. And then you end up doing what's called inventory loading, where if you can't sell enough to make a minimum mm-hmm. or you want to rank up and you can't do it just by selling, you end up buying from your own store to meet those minimums. So you're really your own customer. And that's kind of where we get into the idea mm-hmm. of a closed system where most of the customers of these companies and most of the money is coming from people who are in the company, not outside customers. Right. And is is that illegal? Inventory loading or, on no. its own, I believe is illegal, but it mm-hmm. gets complicated because how do you track that? How do you, mm-hmm. you know, how do you know if X person X, Y, and Z is buying from their own store you there's not necessarily great ways to know you know you could just use a different card or use a different account or something like that so it's hard to um regulate that although i believe it is technically illegal it's not the easiest thing to enforce right so what are some other aspects of mlms that are like in theory, they are technically illegal, but yet they are still like obviously Ponzi schemes are illegal, mm-hmm. but MLMs are rampant. And so like, are you able to kind of explain how they get away with that? Yeah, very interesting question, super interesting topic. And there really are so many answers to this. Um, the line between pyramid scheme and multi-level marketing company the distributors want to paint that line as very solid and very defined you know product no product or other such tropes that we hear all the time when in reality the line is not that clear the line is blurred it's like it's like if you took a line and like erased it a little bit like you can't really tell like where the line ends and where Mm -hmm. where do pyramid schemes end and where do mlms begin and it's it's difficult to kind of pounce on exactly why some companies get shut down and some companies don't. A lot of it has to do with um, deception. Um, If people are being more blatantly deceived or more blatantly being paid to recruit or have to 
pay a huge fee when they start up, that will often lead to lawsuits to companies being shut down. But then we see companies like Monate and Arbonne who are still you know, alive and thriving. I believe Arbonne had a pyramid scheme lawsuit that they settled for an undisclosed amount. I'm like 99% sure about that. Monate, yeah, Monate, you know, they've had their own share of legal troubles, but we've also seen lots yeah. of MLMs get shut down. Like Advocare is banned from multi-level marketing. Burn Lounge was shut down. Another cosmetic company was sued by the FTC and shut down for being a pyramid scheme. And a lot of it really has to do with the startup cost and all that. But one interesting mm -hmm. thing is these companies have to get sued by the FTC and then the court has to rule in favor of the FTC. So it's not just so easy as the government comes and shuts them down. The FTC has to actually sue the company usually. And then depending on whether they have enough evidence to win that lawsuit, then you know they can take action against the company. So it's not quite so easy as- Today's episode is sponsored by Forager Project. You all know that I eat mainly plant-based and I'm always excited to find a new plant-based alternative, which is why I'm so excited to tell you a little bit more about Forager Project. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll remember that I actually partnered with them back in November, which is why I'm super excited to tell you a little bit more about them. Family owned and operated, Forager Project crafts 100% organic dairy-free yogurts, kefirs, milks, and sour cream using organic cashews. These are all so creamy and yummy. You have to try it and tell me what your favorites are. I love their yogurts and my kids just eat it up. Forager is offering my listeners a limited time coupon for a free cup of yogurt at www.foragerproject.com slash cultivate health. And while you're there, you can find hundreds of delicious, easy to make dairy free recipes. Like the government can just come in and shut you down. Right. Because the FTC, the fair trade something. The Federal Trade Commission. Um, right. You knew it better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> they're in charge of, right, because they're in charge of, um, MLMs, they're in charge of uh, like making sure that um, like if you see an ad online, it has to be disclosed a certain yeah. way, yeah. that sort of thing. They are in charge of all of that and they um, can find people if they don't follow the right things mm -hmm. or yeah, whatever. Like, like we saw that with have them. To do hashtag ad, all that kind of stuff. Right. Like we saw that with, um, oh, what was that festival that you know which one I'm talking about. The, uh, I wanna, it was like on an island. Oh, was it the fire festival? Yes, yeah. that was the one. <laughs> I was like, we saw it with that. A bunch of influencers got fined a lot of money because they weren't disclosing. Um, and so, yeah, so there's an entire like department that's in charge of making sure that people are being honest with that sort of thing, which I think is really interesting because before I started learning more about how MLMs work, I didn't realize that either. I thought that it was just that like the government could shut you down and be like, mm -hmm. you're being unethical, but it's not, it's so much more complicated, which makes it so much easier for really predatory MLMs to thrive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I kind of would love to, backpedal a little bit and just ask if you have any personal experiences with MLMs or like friends or family or anything like that um, that's kind of influenced your interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I never joined an MLM, but I um, grew up in this interesting kind of 
conservative traditional families environment in a very small town and there's not a lot of education here um kind of a bit underprivileged area rural area and most of the marketing companies just absolutely run rampant here i mean everyone knows someone in mlm they're common in churches they're common in mom groups they're common you know stay-at-home moms that's kind of mm -hmm. their often it can be really their target audience their target victim and so all growing up you know my mom would have a pampered chef party i would go to a LuLaRoe party and they always felt a bit weird to me you know like they always just felt like just a bit off and they were always trying to get someone else to join and you know all that all that crap and um once i got to high school of course my own friends could start joining mlms and i saw one friend join an mlm and she just completely like ruined her friendship with a, a mutual friend over this mlm it was arbon and just like the the things that were said in text messages were just so mean um, and people will just vehemently defend their company, you know, till they're at their wit's end. And so watching that friendship fall apart was really sad. I think that definitely kind of impacted my hatred for MLMs, as well as some other high school friends that joined them. But I personally never joined one, although I was tempted, of course, as we all are from time to time. And then once I really started researching them on my own, I was just so appalled by what I saw and just, you know, floored. And I just thought it was so tragic and sad. So I, I really started speaking out about it, you know, and that research kind of fueled my anger and my passion about the topic. Right. Well, when you get, I don't know, it's, it's like with anything, I think, especially when you grow up, I grew up relatively similarly to you. I grew up in a very conservative religious household in like a small-ish town. Everybody knows everybody. They're all in each other's business. Mm -hmm. Um especially being in that religious community where, like you said, most of the moms are stay-at-home moms. That's kind of what they push for. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like so many, I also, when my oldest sister got married, um, one of the ladies in our church threw her like a pampered chef bridal shower. And so everyone mm -hmm. that was there was like really pressured to spend money on overpriced pampered chef gifts for mm -hmm. her instead of like buying her stuff off her registry that she actually wanted <laughs> um and so she ended up with a bunch of useless pampered chef gadgets that like you can't actually use pampered chef like, has such specific gadgets that you would use like once a year yes exactly it's like okay well do i see the the value in a mandolin yeah sure i like to slice vegetables but do i need this like super specific niche like i don't know noodle strainer for one type of noodle I don't know it's been a long time since I've seen anyone who sells pampered chef but yeah and I think I think it's very natural to come into situations like that where you see how predatory they can be and to get really passionate about it and to get really like I get really angry when I'm passionate about stuff that mm -hmm. I and I'm just like, why can't you see this the way that I see it? Like, it's so black and white, but people will really just dig their heels in because they don't want to be wrong, especially if they've been, like, it's embarrassing. And I and I can see that. I can see that it would be embarrassing to be like, mm -hmm. man, I sunk a lot of money into this and I really believed in it. And, like, now on top of being out a lot of money, my pride is hurt and so I'm just gonna keep doing it and I'm gonna keep 
you know, and those are the people that when they stop selling it or they leave the MLM, they're really quiet about it because they mm-hmm. don't they don't want to talk about it. And it's kind of a shame because I feel like if there were more people that were willing to talk openly about their bad experiences with an MLM as a previous distributor, I feel like it would make it a lot easier for those MLMs to be discredited, if that makes sense. Yeah, it can be very scary to open up about your experience in an MLM. I've seen it, you know, I followed a lot of anti-MLM creators and it's hard for people to talk about their experiences because the instant they do, they're going to have their old MLM hun friends coming and saying, well, you just didn't try, you just didn't put in enough, you know, gaslighting them and then not believing their own story. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of something I aim to do with my TikTok because I don't have that, um, I don't have to deal with that. I never joined one, so I don't have to be, be um, I don't have to go through that gaslighting. And so I kind of want to take that away from other people that would have to go through that. If they share their stories on social media, you know, they just get abused by these mm-hmm. MLMers saying, oh, you never try, you never put in enough, blah, 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 blah. So if they don't, if they can't use that on me, I would like to be able to take away, you know, some of that other, some of that energy from people that are putting in the emotional labor to share their stories of being in an MLM, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think one of the things that has always just put a bad taste in my mouth is like we were saying how they're so predatory specifically to stay-at-home moms because I think a lot of stay-at-home moms, again, especially in conservative and religious communities, are really pressured to, they're really pressured to be stay-at-home moms and they feel like if they could have like a little business, (laughs) quote Mm -hmm. unquote, where they can make a little bit of extra money, then they will feel justified in spending because again, that same religious conservative like upbringing really enforces like money rules with it's it's all just a mess and so I think it just mm-hmm. creates this perfect storm for these poor single moms or not single moms stay-at-home moms who just want to be able to have money so they can go to Target or Starbucks or buy clothes for their baby or help with the bills or whatever it is but they want to be able to have some money that's theirs they want to be contributing to the family mm-hmm. somehow and so it seems like such a good idea or or the amount of people I know who have gotten DMs like immediately after having a baby with people yeah. being like, oh my God, let's help you lose that baby weight. And it's like, I popped a baby out two days ago. Like, I'm not even, I'm not even worried about that. Like, it's so gross and predatory. And I just, like, I think that's one of, other than the fact that it's just, you know, gross in general, one of the things that bothers me the most about MLMs and the whole nature around them. Yeah, definitely. Um, There was one thing you said about the, oh yeah, the conservative moms that you mentioned where sometimes they're raised in the more traditional families and they're the stay-at-home moms. One interesting thing about that subset of people is these are often, you know, really intelligent women Mm -hmm. that ended up in this role. And they're often not financially literate because they were never taught and that's no fault of theirs but the you know the men in their life may have never taught them anything about finances because they're told that they're useless at finances because they never learned it so they're stuck in this cycle of not being financially literate of of no fault of their own and so when they when they're approached by companies like this they don't necessarily know how they work or how the business model works and all that stuff and obviously these women are, are extremely smart but you only know what you're taught yes And so it's just a trap that they can so easily fall into. 
And that's one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about talking about the specifics of the business model, because th those people that don't know a lot about it are so susceptible to being swayed, to being to being convinced, oh, it's not a pyramid scheme, we have products. Oh, you just wanna build your team, or you just wanna share these products with your friends, et cetera, et cetera. Without the specific knowledge that that they can understand, oh, you have to recruit to make money, and you know you have to sell this minimum every month, and all those kinds of things, they might never know. Right, or or, um, like the amount that they have to invest in the inventory up front. Like, I know that Lularoe is gone now, right? Like that was nixed, or are so Lularoe. Interestingly enough, is still around. Oh, unfortunately, I thought that they got sued um, off their asses. <laughs> They are in a lawsuit okay. right now. I believe the lawsuit is still ongoing. Okay. And they changed their startup costs, of course, to cover their own asses mm -hmm. because it was ridiculously expensive, as most of us know at this point. It was like, you know, $5,000, $10,000 to join. Yeah. And they reduced it since because they were asking for a lawsuit there. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I almost never have just like, I mean, not almost never. I literally never have $5,000 just laying around to invest in something, you know? And if you do yeah. use that $5,000 to invest in something that is yours, I guess. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. I think it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to see how, yeah, those specific markets get really preyed upon in the MLM world, as well as... I think college students are really susceptible. Like I knew um, an Arbonne girl who I followed before she started selling it and then she started selling it. But in that same sneaky way where they start posting about it and you think that they're just like into it and you don't know that it's an MLM and then they like really mm. sneakily just like are posting about it constantly but they never say the name. And that's how you know it's an MLM where they like where they won't say the name mm -hmm. of the company or they'll just be like, I love my green drink. And you're like, oh no, you've got one. When they first start posting, mm -hmm. when they first do like the first one or two posts, it's kind of like when, when girls get a new boyfriend mm -hmm. and they do like a little test run mm -hmm. post with like just the side of their head or something like that. Just to test they're like, how does everyone feel Instagram? about this? How, yeah, how, how, what are the reactions? To right. This? I feel like it's kind of like that. And then gradually, you know, they get more and more sucked in and, and more and more into it and buying more and more of the products and sharing how wonderful they exactly. are. Exactly. And, and then it's and then it's always so funny because you inevitably get the DM of, Hey, do you want to join my team? And then you have to have that awkward like, No, I don't want to join your MLM conversation. And you have to decide, you know, do you want to try and help them? Do you want to just say no? Do you want to just unfollow? Right. And then they, it's hard to know. Exactly. What and then they instantly unfollow you when they realize that you're not going to buy their product or join their team. And, and then you're like, well, that's cool. I'm glad that, I'm glad that your weird mm -hmm. herbal things are so important to you. I just remembered as I was saying this, um, the, I think the funniest run in I ever had with an MLM was when I was in college, I was looking for a job and I was looking through Craigslist, um, which is just not the most reliable place for jobs, but I was very desperate at the time <laughs> and was looking through Craigslist for a job. And this, um, there was an ad for a job as like a health consultant. And at the time, oh, I know, no. at the time I was... Um, 
majoring in exercise science and so I was like this is perfect that's like what I like I want to be in nutrition like that was what I wanted to be working in so I was like oh yeah that would be great like if I could get a job you know while I'm in school for this job experience hit the ground running Absolutely. so I scheduled this interview um what I assumed was a job interview and they wanted to schedule it at like 7 p.m. And I remember being like, that's kind of weird, but like, whatever. Everybody's got like different schedules, I guess. And so I had my roommate drop me off and it was 100% an Herbalife recruitment meeting. Oh my God. And And by the time I realized that's what it was, I was like, I was in it. Like I couldn't just walk out, especially because I didn't, my roommate dropped me off. And so I like sat down and they start doing this whole presentation. And I was like, this is not a job interview. Like what is going on? And they like tell me all about how great it is for losing weight or bulking up or doing whatever you want. And it's all bullshit. And then I sit through like an hour. And then the one guy that like was trying to recruit me sits me down and like tries to convince me to buy like a starter pack right there. And I was like, I need some time to think about this because that's a a financial investment and he was like but it's so worth it you'll make so much money and I was like I need to think about it and I left and was like oh god I can't believe I just wasted like an hour of my life but I also can't believe that I got tricked into that because I was also at a point at that point where I was like super not into MLMs I was past the it works thing I was like I can't believe that I almost like that they got me, you know, that they that they managed to lure me in thinking it was a real job. They get so tricky and that is so predatory. I'm just shocked that they were advertising on Craigslist like that. That really reminds yes. me of how the Herbalife smoothie shops are opening up. Have you seen those? No, I haven't. So in certain cities, in certain urban areas, you can open an Herbalife shop, like a tea smoothie shop to sell their drinks and there's a lot of really weird rules to run them like you can't say Herbalife on the outside you have to you know there's this bizarre list of rules where you have to put up signs and you have to keep the shades closed on the door some crazy stuff like that so basically when you walk in you don't know that it's an Herbalife store that's the whole thing so you go in, you're like, oh, let me just get a, a little smoothie, a little tea, a little energy boost. And it turns out that they're selling Herbalife. And some of these stores, that's kind of it. You go in and get a drink and you leave and whoever the owner is, is making money based on you buying that product. But a lot of times they'll try to get you to sign up for some kind of email list, for some kind of fitness club, class, these weird ways of phrasing, you know, they want to get your info and they want to recruit you because that's the, that's often their goal. And I've heard stories of people going in and trying to work for these places and the owner will be like, okay, yeah, we pay you this much for every drink you sell. And sometimes they don't even pay an hourly wage. And you're like, that's super legal. <laughs> yeah, and it, I mean, it's crazy. They're popping up. There was one in my town, but I think it ended up closing. And, you know, it's kind of bordering on the fence of, is this really legal? And there's a statistic about how I think it's like $10,000 to open one and you like usually lose a couple of thousand or around there somewhere. There's a documentary about it called Betting on Zero, I think. 
That is so interesting to me. I'd never heard of those. I think Herbalife is one of those like bottom of the barrel ones for me, like right there with like. Oh yeah. With, and a lot um, of people feel that way because they have to hide, like they, they hide that it's Herbalife because everyone's so turned off to Herbalife. Yes, I um I had to unfollow someone recently because they were, they were not, I mean, they maybe were they like actually in it, but they were like promoting them in like, um in a way that made it seem like Herbalife paid them, like Herbalife the company paid them mm. to promote them. And it just felt so weird. And like, I just hadn't, interacted with anyone that really still sold Herbalife in such a long time that I was so shocked <laughs> that they still exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and another one to me that is just so gross is Young Living. Oh my God. Oh, you're going to get me started on Young Living now. <laughs> <laughs> They're being sued right now for being a pyramid scheme. The, the yes. lawsuit is ongoing. Yes. Cause they're, so they're here in Utah where I live. Um, and their lavender field is beautiful, but oh wow! The, but the guy that he's dead now. But the guy who founded it was just the most unwell person. Oh yeah, just a horrific guy. Yes, and he, I mean, the amount of like unethical testing and and the amount of convincing people to like ignore their actual medical issues to be mm-hmm. cured by untested oils just the whole oil like culture is so oh, yeah like modern medicine works guys like it's <laughs> it's okay to like essential oils it's okay it's to okay. like the way they smell but like yeah but they can be very relaxing you know and there's there's anecdotal evidence about you know they reduce stress or whatever. I know that lavender is actually pretty well studied for sleep. And that's like people diffuse it when they're, you know, going to bed. Right. But they cannot cure anything and claims that they can do so are illegal. Yes. Which is why it's always just, yeah. I mean, cause in Utah alone, they're like, cause doTERRA is here too. Oh God, say, I, yeah. I bet it's huge. Yes. And so just everybody, I mean, my mother-in-law sells doTERRA oils, and I think my mom is a Young Living distributor, even though she doesn't, like, actively sell it. She just wanted the discount or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have, like, an embarrassing amount of essential oils because anytime one of our parents comes into town, they're like, oh, take these seven oils to cure all of your ailments. And so we just have a shelf of oils that's like hidden away because we don't want anyone to see them that we don't ever touch or use because most of them stink and also they don't do anything like Mm -hmm. like I will sure I'll diffuse wild orange all day that smells lovely but I don't think it's going to cure my depression exactly that's where the dangerous claims start to come in when I was in high school I had a friend that had oil everywhere. I mean, I would say, oh man, I have a headache. And she'd be like, I have an oil for that. Mm-hmm. And it was just crazy because she really did have an oil for everything. And she firmly believed that it would fix those things, which, you know, if you want to use it for a headache, I understand. I'm not going to fault people for that because it is just a headache. But make sure you listen to your actual medical professionals and never listen to illegal claims that these oils cure anything. That's what really gets me going is the, the illegal medical claims and the chemophobia. Mm-hmm. The, this pushing of like, oh, natural is better. And I understand where people are coming from with that. But as far as disinfectants, I heard about one person 
advertising how to make hand sanitizer out of like oils Mm -hmm. and you know the active ingredient in hand sanitizer is alcohol it's not the scent it's not the oil yeah and you know people just just going off the rails with the natural remedies and and claiming that these oils can disinfect things i've seen claims that thieves oil can disinfect things and that is completely false yeah no it's it's bullshit it doesn't disinfect anything sure it could maybe clean your surface i guess i don't i don't have any i've never tested that out but like it's not a disinfectant (laughs) it's an oil like Mm -hmm. by nature an oil is not sanitary (laughs) i guess (laughs) it is not killing bacteria exactly um okay yeah i could literally talk forever about how much i dislike mlms and all of that um but um before we wrap up i would love if you could tell everybody where they could find you if they want to um obviously we can only get into so much during this podcast um there's so much out there and on your tiktok you go a lot more into depth on specifics on like different companies as well as explaining very well why certain things are a pyramid scheme to people that do not understand what a pyramid scheme is um so tell everybody where they can find you on the internet of course i would be super honored if you guys want to hear anything i have to say i love talking about this issue i think it's an extremely pressing issue especially with you know stimulus checks coming mm-hmm. in and people want to pounce on that money and take it from you so if you want to check out my tiktok it is at heather.elise.rainbow my instagram is the same username and you can find all my other links via those sites perfect yeah i definitely recommend if you are someone who is interested in mlms in the same way that we are they just it's such a fascinating topic so um yeah if you're interested in it all go and follow Heather. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Heather. It was so nice to chat with you. I've been following you for so long. And so it was nice to like actually have a conversation. It always feels weird to talk to someone that I've been listening to because it feels like, oh, I bet. it feels yeah, like I, I know you, imagine. but like in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now I know you Yes. Too. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and we will talk to you all next week. Bye.